our Drink a Book podcast, where we drink wine and talk about books. This is Lauren. Lynn. I'm Lee. It's Marie. And this is Joe. back on zoom for another book club episode i will admit it's getting kind of old for me (laughs) not being able to see you in person but i know yeah make the best of it like we have been doing for the past what six months now oh my goodness wow it's already been half a year that's insane with no end in sight <laughs> yeah maybe in january uh yeah oh, hopefully that sounds awful by the time this comes out it it will already be maybe oh, you're right maybe we'll have a vaccine by then <laughs> so we're recording this at the end of august august 29th of 2020 so just for your reference, think back to what it was like. <laughs> yes. Hopefully things are better by the time you're hearing this, but who knows, honestly. I have my very fitting wine glass that says, because distance learning. Oh, it's nice. very big. It's like an extra large wine glass. A friend gave it to me during teacher appreciation week last year, but just went back to school. It's that time of year, and um, most of us are back with kids, at least in some setting, even though it's not necessarily appropriate. <laughs> but I've got my wine and my wine glass, so tonight it's all good. <laughs> what are you drinking? Oh, I'm so glad you asked because I'm really <laughs> excited about it. I'm drinking. <laughs> um, so I recently went to Hawking Hills with my partner for like a outdoor social distanced vacation before the school year started. And we went to Hawking Hills Winery and I brought home a bottle and it is Rock House Red. It's like a sweet red. It's delicious. I was going to say it looks very dark. Mm-hmm. I'm Assuming it would be sweet for you to be drinking yes. that. It is sweet. And the Rock House was my favorite, like, nature site there. So I really wanted to get the wine because it just, I really liked it. So what are you drinking? Okay, so I had gotten a Riesling from my parents. They got for me um, when they went to Wolf Creek a few weeks ago. Wolf Creek Winery, the winery at Wolf Creek. Um, and then I, I opened it last night because I was like, well, I'm only going to drink like half of it for book club. So I'm going to open it Friday night instead of having it left over for like Sunday. That's smart. Except it's gone now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I had a little more than I intended last night. And then when we were just chatting before we recorded, I finished it. But good news, Aldi's had some of their fruit wine back in stock. Nice. So, um, I think it's like Pacific Vineyards from Burlwood Cellars at Aldi's, and it's the peach wine. It's slightly bubbly, and it's a little sweeter than I normally like, but you can taste the peachiness, and it's so good. Like, if you were at Aldi's and they have it, you should buy, like, five bottles because it's really good. So, Lauren, I'm drinking Aldi Sweet Watermelon. How is it? Of the same brand. How is it's, it? So... 
full disclosure, I wanted peach, but they didn't have peach. So <laughs> I had to settle for watermelon. The first sip, I was like, mm, I don't know how I feel about this. But now that I'm like a glass in, I'm really liking it. So I mean, I think I probably would prefer the peach, mm-hmm. but like this is definitely drinkable in my opinion. Like how, like, do you feel like you're drinking like straight up like watermelon juice or like? No, it's like subtle, I would say. But on the first sip, it was like, I don't know. I feel like it was more noticeable on the first sip, maybe just because I, I've never had any watermelon flavored wine mm-hmm. before. And it was almost like a little like jarring. Like I was like, yeah. I don't know. But then once I got used to it, it tastes a lot more subtle. I don't know if that even makes sense. If I've well, just like sense. had enough of it now that it just tastes good. <laughs> nice. I thought the watermelon one sounded good or just interesting. Yeah, I would definitely like, I would say to go ahead and try it, but I definitely want to get the peach next time. I also have a wine from Aldi. Oh. It's the Winking Owl oh, brand. I yeah. love Winking Owl. Yep. So I got this. Sweet red is what it's called. Mm. <laughs> and I don't know that one. It's very grapey, I think, but it's really good. I like it. Nice. Nice. Cool. Yeah. I'm drinking Ava Grace. It's Ava Grace Vineyards and it's a rose. Mm. Oh, I like that bottle. Isn't it pretty? Yeah, it's pretty. Yeah. Give me like art deco vibes. Yeah. So this obviously we kind of established already that like by the time you hear these recordings it's been a long time in between episodes and when we recorded them so right now when we're recording this episode we just posted our trailer to instagram and we're so excited and i just want to say how surprised I am, pleasantly surprised, and also disappointed in myself that I didn't know this beforehand. But since we've been like kind of publicizing ourselves on Instagram and promoting our trailer, I have learned about this amazing like bookstagram community that I had no idea existed. It is Mm -hmm. so cool. Like we have already found all of these awesome like book bloggers and other podcasters that we've been like networking with and just even checking out their content and it's so cool one for example that I am really interested in is she's called paired pages Mm -hmm. on Instagram Um, her name is Jess and she's a blogger and she pairs wine with books like how cool is that so everything about it I just think that's amazing. And she's another Midwestern gal. She's in Detroit, which I thought was very cool. And then we also found out about this podcast called Book Talks, which is these two friends, Kayla and Marissa, who are doing very similar to what we're doing, where they just are two friends who like read books and then talk about it on a podcast. And Mm -hmm. I just think it's so cool. Like, I didn't realize all these things existed. Apparently, I was living under a rock <laughs> while we've been recording this podcast for, like, eight months. I don't know. <laughs> and also, I've been reading my whole life. Like, what was I doing on Instagram before now? I'm just, like, loving it. And there's one other one I wanted to mention. Her Instagram is called Seville Books and Wine. Her name is Amber, and she's a book and, like, a book blogger. But... 
I just, I'm sure like every time we meet now, I'm going to have more people that I want to like talk about and shout out, but I've just been so impressed and like excited about all the energy around books Mm -hmm. right now, specifically on my own Instagram page. (laughs) Absolutely. I know it is really cool. And I wish I had known about a lot of them before and they all seem like so nice. Like people who read books are just like nice. (laughs) They're like, you read books. We love you. Yeah. I love everything you post. (laughs) I know. I love it. I love going on and just like searching the hashtags or searching the explore page and just seeing all these like beautiful flat lays with books. And then I add like 10 more books to my want to read list as I'm looking through it. And I just love it. Yeah. Are they all like really good photographers or do they like have a professional photographer? Because I see their photos and I'm like, this is the most beautiful thing (laughs) I've ever seen. And I don't know how to take a photo like this. Good question. I need to learn. I mean, I feel like people on Instagram tend to, depending on what it is, tend to be creative. Yeah. To begin with. Um, probably just like practice. You know what I mean? The more I mean, you do it, the more you get better at it and realize what works and what doesn't work. It just takes a lot of time, you know, stuff like that. You, mm-hmm. you get the props, you get everything you need. And then if that's what you're doing and that's what your niche is, then it becomes easier. Mm-hmm. So this month, our genre was picked by Joe, and the genre was YA books written by authors of color, and the book pick was Lynn's pick, right? Yes. Which was Black Boy White School by Brian F. Walker. Okay, so I'm going to read a quick summary of the book just to remind everybody what this is about. Anthony Ant Jones gets transported from his East Cleveland hood to an almost all-white prep school and has to figure out where he belongs before he loses himself entirely. Black Boy White School is a memorable debut that will appeal appeal to fans of Walter Dean Myers and Sherman Alexie, which we've talked about before. Anthony has never been outside his rough neighborhood when he receives a scholarship to Belton Academy, an elite prep school in Maine, but at Belton, things are far from perfect. Everyone calls him Tony, assumes he's from Brooklyn, expects him to play basketball, and yet acts shocked when he fights back. As Anthony tries to adapt to a world that will never fully accept him, he's in for a rude awakening. Home is becoming a place where he no longer belongs. Anthony might find a way to survive at Belton, but what will it cost him? So at this point, if you haven't read the book yet, spoiler alert, we're going to start talking about details, so just beware. Okay, On Goodreads, it has 3.82 stars with 625 ratings and 131 reviews, which is very good considering how many people have rated it and reviewed it. I have a five-star review from Patricia W. She says, I didn't leave my family and go away to boarding school, but I related to this story as an African-American girl who bust to an all-white high school a few miles away from my lower-income, all-black neighborhood. I suspect children who go to their zoned schools in their own neighborhoods where they are in the minority will also relate. Because this is not about going away to school, it's about coming of age as a fish out of water in a sea of whiteness. I love that Ant never let go of who he was, but also was smart enough to be open to changes in his vantage point. The writing is crisp, and it 
and sounds like it comes from the 15-year-old protagonist that is Ant, who endures the bumps and hard kicks of growing up a young black boy in America, entertaining and illuminating. I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was good. I mean, inaccurate, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so as I was looking at the reviews, I did see one one star, but when I read it, she mentioned how she rated it a three star, so I was very confused. So I just threw that off the table, and I found a two-star review to read. (laughs) Um, And this is from Isaac T. He says, I recently read the book Black Boy White School by Brian F. Walker. While I wouldn't say I dislike the book, I can't say I enjoyed reading it either. I think that many of the events occurring around Anthony, the main character, were short and not well described. This made it tough to grasp many aspects of the plot, making it harder to understand. Anthony was only well described at the very end of the book, making the earlier segments less interesting. I gave this book a two out of five due to the lack of description in the plot and protagonist. Hmm. I mean, I don't fully disagree with some of his points, but I rated it higher than that, so... I wonder if it's more because it's a YA book that that's the case. I feel like we've had this conversation before about other books. I have felt like in the past, in in my experience of reading books about, you know, certain topics, I've read books about the Holocaust that were in YA, and then I've read books about the Holocaust that were adult books, and it always feels like there's something missing from the YA book, you know? They're... Mm -hmm. Obviously, they're not going to give you as many details and be as explicit. I, I don't know if that's the word I'm exactly thinking of, but with when you're dealing with younger kids, you know, there's obviously you can't say the same stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I kind of wonder if this was written for the purpose of being like a book that would be read in school, because when I was looking at Brian F. Walker, So it sounds like Brian F. Walker wrote this book based on his own experiences. When I was looking him up, he grew up in East Cleveland. It says that he ran with gangsters, drug dealers, and thugs until the age of 14 when he went to an elite boarding school. So this book seems like, you know, it was sort of a chronicle. Is that the right word? I'm I'm having trouble with words today. Okay, I am too. You're doing great. You're um, doing great, okay. sweetie. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> Thanks, Mom. <laughs> okay, blow up. And also, it says that he has taught high school English for the past 17 years and coached basketball and served as an admissions officer at a prep school in Massachusetts. But so I'm wondering, because of like the high school teacher and all those sort of connections, like this... And mine is a used book, and it's a library book. I just could see this being a book that is meant to be read as an English class. And, like, you know, when I was in middle school and high school English, most of the books we read were up to interpretation. And then you as a class discussed, like, what do you think the author meant by this and blah, blah, blah. So I wondered if that was sort of why some of the details were left out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That could be. That's a good theory. I can't read this review at all because it's really long, but there was someone named Dora and she was actually in Brian Walker's English class. So oh, it was I, saw that I saw that when I was oh, looking cool. for my five star. Yeah. 
it was, I don't know, I just find it to be really sweet when you read their review, kind of read about their experience and being in the author's class. And she wrote a very nice review, I thought. I thought she had a lot of really good points in her review. And like, I really agreed too with a lot of what she said. Yes, absolutely. Can we read it right now? Can some, would somebody read it? Or is it too long? It's really long. Like one, oh, two. Just kind of give like some of the highlights. Yeah, it's seven paragraphs. I'll read the first paragraph. So the first paragraph says, This weekend I had the honor of reading the first novel of my favorite high school English teacher, Brian Walker, who was one of the f- first person to teach me how to build an argument in a paper. I remember whenever I'd give an opinion about what we read, he'd shout, where is the evidence? And send us scrambling through our book to find a quotation. Brian always had such moving and insightful things to say about race, things that impacted me even as a naive, privileged white girl, and I've continued to think about as an adult, especially now that I married a black man. This book is incredibly moving. It's written for a young adult audience, but there is enough subtle symbolism and important topics to be thought-provoking for adult readers. There's a lot of frightening adult themes, drugs, swears, and slurs, gun violence, etc. That could turn off some teachers and parents, but in my opinion, I think it was refreshing to have these very real facts of life, not sugar-coated. Trust kids, they can handle it just made me so intrigued in what she had to say I wanted to hear yeah I really I mean it was very well written so what did everyone think of the book I really liked it yeah I liked it a lot too I gave it four stars same so like I started it kind of late because that's just who I am as a person um (laughs) but it was so fast to get through like before I knew it I'd read like 50 pages I was like oh okay no, I finished it in like two days. Mm-hmm. It was a really quick read. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I started it the other day. So mine was a quick read too. <laughs> I always do this because I'm, I always think of our time frame. I'm like, oh, I have so much time. So I take out my stack of books that I want to read. And then I start whipping through book after book. And then I'm like, oh, book clubs this week. Okay. Yeah. I better pull out that book club book. <laughs> yep. I started it late too, but I was just kind of thinking on the fact that YA books are usually very quick to get through. So I was just mm-hmm. putting all my faith in the fact <laughs> that that would be true for this book. And it was. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. The funny thing is I started mine like two weeks ago for once I was like proactive, but I only just finished it yesterday. And I feel like I rated it a three, which I think I'm the lowest rating, but it might actually be more like a three and a half. But part of that is because for me, it took me the full two weeks to read it. Like I didn't, as much as I liked it and I liked the themes and I liked like the, I think the purpose of the book, I liked it, but I just, there was no plot movement that made me feel like I had to keep reading you know even at the Mm -hmm. end I was like 20 pages from the end and was like how is what is gonna happen to wrap this up I just felt like I was expecting something more to be like driving my interest to finish and instead I just finished because we had book club today Mm -hmm. but I liked it 
But yeah. I raised it a little lower because I just didn't feel the need that like I have to find out what happens, you know? Right. I remember you said that, Joe, because I hadn't started it yet. And I'd asked like, oh, have you started the book the last time I saw you? And you had said, you know, yeah, I'm like, whatever, halfway through and it's pretty good. But I feel like there's still like major plot points that haven't happened yet that I'm looking forward to. I remember you said that to me. <laughs> so that's really interesting. Yeah, obviously things happened in it. I just, I don't know what I thought was going to happen, but I just, I went days without reading any of it and was like, oh yeah, let me pick this up and read another chapter. But then I just like put it down after a chapter and read another mm -hmm. chapter. I mean, mm -hmm. but again, it's not like I didn't like it. I just, maybe if I had read it all at once, I would have been more mm -hmm. excited about it. I don't know. <laughs> it's funny because I also, I took like, even though it was a really quick read, it took me like a week to get through it, but just because I was busy, but I didn't want to put it down. I kept feeling like I wanted to read it, even when I yeah. like wasn't able to. I rated it a four. I really liked it, even though I agree with you, Joe, that like there wasn't, I was kind of disappointed with the end, um, that it wasn't like, it was kind of anticlimactic and like, I didn't really know like what I was supposed to get out of it. I don't know. We can talk I more thought, about that. I kept thinking they would like offer him a, a full ride scholarship yeah. or something. I was like, oh, so now he just has to go back home. Like that's so sad. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Right. Like it was kind of a letdown for me at the end. I felt like it had been building up, building to something. And then it was just mm -hmm. kind of like, oh, like nothing happened <laughs> but I feel like it was supposed to show like his speech as the ending I did think was a good ending because it was showing like his growth and how he's gone through this whole like almost like an identity crisis and like you know conforming to the standards or expectations at Belton while trying to like preserve his own like stay true to himself. And then by the end, he was like calling out the ways that the school was problematic. And I don't know, I felt like it kind of served to show like how his perspective had changed throughout the book. And I don't know if I'm like explaining this. No, I think that no, makes yeah, that makes sense because I feel the same way. And I wonder, I think we've talked about this with another book too, but I can't remember which one it was that like maybe that was just to show that this is representative of what happens to young black kids. Like, mm -hmm. you know, we expect in a fictional book that, oh, he's going to get a scholarship or these amazing things are going to happen to him. But like, that's not real life. The book just showed that this happens where a black kid who is from the inner city only has money to afford an elite school for a year and then has to go back home. Like that kind of stuff happens all the time. Yeah. So, that's a good point. I did really like the realism of the book. Like, it was hopeful, you know, but it was also realistic. And it addressed some, like, very dark and sad topics in a way that is realistic for a Black kid growing up in the inner city. So I liked that. It, yeah, it's just like a selfish thing that I want there to be like a happy ending for everybody when that's not real life. <laughs> True. And that maybe also shows our privilege that like a lot of times if we're in that situation, we would get a handout. It would be like, okay, well, 
you know, we'll maybe let you stay for another year or like we have that advantage a lot of the time that Mm -hmm. black people don't always have or people who are, you know, marginalized in some way. Yeah, that's true. Cause like, I don't think any of us, I mean, none of us went to private school. Like we all went to public school, but I think, didn't we all? Yes. I mean, I went to private school for like grade school. Yeah. But I don't think any of us would have been in a position that like, if we did go to a private school that we wouldn't be able to afford it or our family wouldn't be able to pay for it for longer than a year, you know? Mm -hmm. And even things like in the book when, you know, Anthony was getting like reprimanded for what he did to the upperclassmen when they were just getting a free pass for throwing kids into the lake. It's, you know, it's like that same issue where, okay, well, black kid who displays some form of anger or aggression gets penalized, but white kid who was also displaying aggression by hurting kids, injuring them, throwing them into a lake, oh, it's just tradition. Like, oh, that's just hazing. No big deal. Yeah, that was like so so mad. Frustrating. But it is, that's such real life. Like there are, there's so much research showing that black students get punished so much worse for doing the same or like less severe things that white kids do. Like Mm -hmm. it's just outrageous, honestly. That's awful. And this book definitely did a good job of showing that in several situations, not just with, with that, but you know, when he was speaking up about things and people, the teachers or whoever he's talking to would just kind of brush it off. But he did a good job of standing up for himself mm-hmm. to try to make them. And it's that whole conversation of, you know, the, the people in his life and at his school saying to him, why do you have to make everything about race? Well, because it is like he's black. He can't just and he brought that up in the book several times. Like he can't just decide not to think about it. Like it's directly impacting him every minute of every day. Mm -hmm. Like, again, that is a privilege for a white person to just decide, we don't want to think about race today, or I'm not going to make this about race. Well, like, most people don't have that option. Right. Yeah. Like, going back to that same topic, I thought he did a, the author did a good job of portraying, like, an environment that is, seems like supportive and progressive in some ways but then it's also like problematic and like the staff are you know engaging in microaggressions and like contributing to racism throughout the school but in their minds they think that they're being like progressive it it kind of reminds me of the conversation we had a while ago about little fires everywhere with like the well-meaning people who think that they're being progressive and liberal but are like unknowingly contributing to like a problematic unwelcoming environment Mm -hmm. absolutely and i think in some ways like yeah a lot of it is unknowing or unconscious but we all know that like the unconscious bias in a lot of ways people are doing it because they know it's going to benefit themselves. Like they don't, they're in denial 
they don't want to acknowledge the problems with the way they think or the way they're acting because that means they're going to have to change and things are going to be harder for them. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, it's also upholding a system that allows them to be in power, you know, right. so it's, mm-hmm. it's benefiting them to just be like, oh, well, it's just a little bit of hazing. That's our tradition or whatever, because it keeps them as the group that's in power. And I felt so frustrated that like they all just assumed he was from New York. <laughs> like, I know. What's that about? Like, come on. Like, they didn't, I think he said, like, do they not know that black people exist in America outside of New York? Right. Oh, my God. I kind of wish they had said why he got, like, accepted to that school or why he got a scholarship. Like, I don't think they ever really talked about that. I think that the principal at his public school kind of, like, alluded to the fact that they wanted to increase their diversity. Like, they were accepting mm. him because he was black. Wasn't that then, mentioned? Yeah, maybe. And potentially the sports thing, that they assume yeah. their black students are going to bring them a basketball, you know. <laughs> he was like, I suck at basketball. Joke's yeah. on you. <laughs> <laughs> but that also shows that, like, a lot of – I mean, we're seeing this a lot now – being, you know, August 2020, when we're recording this with like, Black Lives Matter protests and things like all of these institutions are trying to show diversity and like, do that in a performative way, but not actually like doing anything about it, which is kind of what like the school was doing by wanting to accept, like more black students, you know, they're like, they want to show that they're increasing their diversity but what were what were they really doing at the school to like you know Mm -hmm. it's like performative Mm -hmm. I actually took a note of something that Dora had written in her review that we were talking about earlier that I thought was a really good point of how the author did a really good job of portraying the diversity of like the black students from each other and also Mm. like the white students from each other, like Mm. how even though like, you know, they have the same race, they all came from very different backgrounds and how even like Anthony assumes that all the white kids have butlers and are like really rich. But then he, he learns throughout the book and his perspective changes that like, actually there are diverse experiences of, white people like they're not Mm -hmm. all rich with butlers and then we saw that with the black students too that they all had like diverse experiences and um also like the Somali refugees in the area like their experience was very different than the black students at the school I just thought that that was um like I liked how he addressed those throughout the book Mm mm-hmm yeah, I really liked his roommate. He seemed very, like, sweet. Brody. Mm-hmm. But then his dad, I was, like, cringing every time he spoke. I was like, why? Why yeah. Why are you saying these things to him? I think he was a good example, like we were saying, of a white person who has the best intentions. But, like, sometimes Anthony was even getting mad at him because he was trying to 
I don't know, show empathy, but it wasn't the way that Anthony needed it. And Brody Mm -hmm. was trying, but he just wasn't succeeding. And I think he learned a lot throughout the book too, and how to be there for Anthony and be a good friend to him, which was nice to see. I also thought it was pretty realistic too, and just very telling about how, like, as they were living together, how, um, how Brody like didn't think it was an issue to be making noise past lights out or smoking in the dorm. And Anthony is saying to him, like, listen, I have no room for error here. Like, you know, that was very real that a lot of white kids or young people or white people in general, like they don't even have to think about that. Like, oh, if I break this small rule, it's not going to be a big deal. I'm going to get like a little slap on the wrist. But for Anthony, it could mean something way worse. Again, like we kind of already talked about, but I thought that was like a very good portrayal of what that looks like. I have, I was a little confused about, this is kind of like totally on a different wavelength now. I was confused about Anthony's dad. I was too. Like, what does he do? What is, I was confused about where he was and what he was doing when Anthony saw him. I was also confused about that. That was from like the very beginning of the book, wasn't yeah, we it? we met him yeah. like one time, right? And then that was it. He was yeah. like hanging outside of the store or something? Yeah, but right? wasn't yeah. he like drinking wine or something? That was I don't know. I was like a little confused about what was happening. I actually made a note about it on page 12. I wrote, I'm okay. about what his dad is doing there. The gray and dusty men who gathered there every day blowing into cupped hands and rocking on unsteady legs. What does that mean? Drinking wine and telling lies. I don't get it. I mean, were the, was, it, was it winter? Like blowing into cupped hands, like trying to keep warm? Is that what he was talking about? I don't know. Yes. But why were they just standing outside of the store? I don't know. So did he, did he not have a job or anything? I don't, I don't know. know. I was like, is he homeless? Or like... I don't know. Because it sounds like he's not really in the picture and he, Anthony doesn't really see him unless he like sees him around town randomly. And his mom obviously isn't getting anything from his dad. Mm -mm. So either maybe he's homeless or maybe he just, I don't know, works sporadically or maybe the gray and dusty is supposed to insinuate somewhere he could be working. It's not like it was really that important to the story. I just, didn't know if I had missed something or... No, I think it was very vague. I liked how they talked about how Anthony and some of the other Black students like felt like they didn't fit in anymore in their original home, like after mm-hmm. being at Belton for a while. Like I thought that that part of the story was really interesting. And I actually would have liked a little bit more about that, like... I liked that he brought it up with Paul and Kalik, but it was only like very briefly actually discussed between them. And I would have liked more about that, Mm -hmm. but um, I thought that was interesting and it just like shows how, you know, spending a lot of time in an environment that has like a totally different culture can like really change you and your mindset. And then, Like, I really, 
felt for them that they kind of felt like they didn't belong in either place. Mm-hmm. And I did feel like that was relatable, you know, not from their specific experience, but just as like being feeling like an outsider and that you don't belong. I liked that that was included in the story. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's true in a lot of instances. Like if somebody in a group decides to better themselves in like any way at all, then suddenly it's like you like you're a traitor almost to like mm-hmm. where you originally came from kind of thing. Yeah. It like changes the whole dynamics of mm-hmm. the group. Like instead of them being happy for you, they're just like, Oh, like you betrayed us. So you're not one of us anymore type of thing. Yeah. Or even just things that you've missed, like while you've been away, you know, I feel like that can change things too. Yeah. Like he said that the one time he went home and was with his friends, they were talking about, people and things then he didn't even know what they were talking about i liked that though when he was at home and he was feeling like he didn't fit in that floyd made a point to tell him that they were all like proud of him though and like wanted to see that if he ever wrote a book you know they'd be bragging that they know him and you know even though obviously he doesn't fit in completely because he's missed all that stuff it was nice to know that that they did still, you know, care about him and want to see him do well. Yeah, that conversation between the two of them, like, towards the end of the book was really, really sweet. I know. I felt like Floyd was such a good friend. Like, Mm -hmm. he was, like, definitely paying attention and listening and, like, knew that he liked Stephen King, even though he didn't Mm -hmm. tell him and knew he was writing the stories and stuff. That was really sweet. Mm -hmm. I like that those two, like, read together, right? It wasn't... Didn't they, like, talk about reading at the beginning of the book, too, together? I don't remember. I feel like they did. Hang I on. can just think of when he said, you know, oh, Stephen King lives in Maine. Mm-hmm. We're going to see his house or whatever. But I don't remember. He definitely seemed like he was a kid who had to grow up really fast, you know? Yeah. Like, and that probably contributed to a lot of the ways that he was really supportive of Anthony and... He probably felt both, you know, like either jealous or even um, sad or like resentful in a way or maybe, um, but at the same time, like happy for his friend and supportive and stuff. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and like proud that one of them could go off and do this thing. I feel like that's relatable too. Like how many times in your life do you have a friend who like, goes and does something that you're kind of like jealous of and like resentful a little bit, but you know, you're also like proud of them. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's really common in friendships. It was kind of like that same dynamic, even with Anthony's mom when he came home and she was kind of like, Oh, you think you're so good because you've been at this white people Academy. (laughs) Like, I don't know exactly what her words were, but it was basically like, you know, you have to remember you're at home, I'm your mom. And, and even though I know he wasn't trying to, you know, be disrespectful, but that was even interesting, just the dynamic between him and his mom. And also, after he went to Belton, we never heard anything about his brothers again. Yeah. At all. No. <laughs> so I don't know how that dynamic changed, but yeah, I was expecting them to come home and see him, like, when he was home for Christmas and spring break. or, or uh, But then there was nothing mentioned yeah. about them again. I don't know if it was supposed to 
kind of show just how he felt like isolated and like an outsider when he would come home. Cause like he, like the first time he went home, he was expecting like a surprise from his brothers and stuff. And then like, they're never even there and just kind of showed like his feeling of isolation and like distance from the culture he had been so ingrained in before. And that like life moved on without him sort of. Did you find it Lauren? No, apparently I just (laughs) made it all up. (laughs) I think it was on page 18. I marked down like when Floyd and Anthony were in class together Mm -hmm. towards the beginning. I found it very interesting and like that Floyd was making like derogatory remarks about their teacher. And in the moment, as I was reading it, I was like, yes, of course. Like this is okay. So side note, I just read good and mad by Rebecca Traster. Finally, it was amazing. But she talks so much about how like, within different marginalized groups, obviously there is still a layer of privilege. So like, for example, white women, even though we're marginalized for being women, we still have the privilege over black people because we're white. And then black males, even though they are marginalized because they're black, they still have the privilege over women because they're male. And so I just like totally saw that in their comments where they're saying, like Floyd said, um, I got something for her mouth, got something for that juicy booty too. And then they kept Mm -hmm. talking about like sexual things and stuff. And it's just so true that, and I think you said this to me, Lee, one time, how like victims of marginalization are at times also perpetrators. Like it's just very interesting to me. Yeah, like what you just said about like black men and white women, I think I might have heard it on Call Your Girlfriend, which, spoiler alert, I'm going to mention Call Your Girlfriend again later in this episode for another reason. (laughs) But I feel like I heard them talking about that on their podcast one time that like, you know, white women and black men are an interesting group because they are both perpetrators and victims at the same time. And for some reason at the time that I heard that it like blew my mind, like it's obvious, but just the way that they had talked about it was like very enlightening to me. And I just, it like changed my worldview. I don't know, but I do feel like we saw that in this book for sure to your point. Yeah, and I don't even know if the author, I guess I don't really know what his intention was with that section because it was really short and then kind of moved on. But to me, that was like immediately what I took away from it. Not exactly the same, but that kind of makes me think of the part in the book when Ant was talking to the principal about the hazing. And he's like, oh, it's just something we do. Like, it's tradition. And then he's like, when you're an upperclassman, you'll have your chance. And Mm -hmm. it's just like that perpetuating cycle of like, being dicks to other people, basically. You know what I mean? And I mean, that just, like, rings true to modern times now where it's like, well, we had it bad, so the next generation should have it bad, too. Like, we didn't get our college paid for, so why should you, et cetera? Exactly. For sure. Like, don't these people have any empathy? Like, do they really forget that quickly? 
Like right. why, if you had gone through the, the hazing experience, for example, like what would make you like two years later be like, yeah, I want to do this to them too. Right. I did like how the book showed like how impactful it can be to have a teacher or some sort of mentor who believes in you and gives you opportunities and just like listens to you and, and like lets you use your voice, I guess with um, Mr. Hawley. Is that how you say his name? Mm -hmm. Um, Even though he was problematic, like he clearly believed in Anthony and wanted him to um, succeed. Yes. And like, (laughs) Like, wanted to empower him, you know, mm-hmm. which I liked. Yeah. yeah I may I or may not have teared up at the end, just saying. <laughs> oh, yeah, I did. That was sweet. Yeah. So sweet. So I even think at the end, not just with Mr. Holly, because that was touching, but even, like, the other teachers and students that were all, you know, sad to see Anthony go, and I don't even know if he realized how much of an impact he was maybe having on people, mm-hmm. just like – um you know, maybe those other people didn't realize the impact he had on them till he was leaving. And then they really showed um, their feelings to him more than maybe they had during the school year. That's true. Maybe it was more of like, like, I know he kept saying he felt like he was being ostracized at certain times during the year when he like punched on that upperclassman and then at other times, but maybe it was just the case of like an unreliable narrator where he's not actually realizing what the impact on everyone else is. Like maybe they were kind of made aware of things and they thought of like they were they thought of things differently after Ant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. It definitely seems like at least with the staff, mm-hmm. definitely had an impact, even <sighs> though he was kind of being like punished or had like consequences sometimes like mm-hmm. he was still affecting them in a positive way. I thought it was funny at the end when the one woman teacher. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, I was his favorite teacher or whatever. And his mom, he was like, she wasn't my favorite teacher. She was weird. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was funny. Made me laugh. It's totally what a kid that age would say. I, I thought that was great. And for the record, I loved Anthony. I, like, so Mm -hmm. just, like, loved his character. And, like, yeah, it was so funny when he said that. I just thought he was, like, so real. Like you said, Joe, like, what somebody his age would say and do. And Mm -hmm. I just really liked him. Me too. A lot, too. I felt like he had a lot of growth throughout the novel. Mm -hmm. Like, he kind of felt like he had to be either one – like, he, he either had to be, like, his East Cleveland roots or he had to grow and become, like, 100%, like, a Belton person. But I felt like with his speech at the end, he kind of clarified, like, it's okay for me to be both and to, like, learn and grow. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, me too. And I liked how, like, we did see a lot of change in his point of view throughout the book and how, like, each of the characters played a role in, like, changing him but I did I did kind of want more from some of the other characters like I feel like we didn't get a lot of like the other black students Mm -hmm. I don't know I would have liked to know more about their stories and kind of how they were reacting to some of the things that happened in the book so overall we recommend it 
Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Definitely. I loved it. I'm actually like that too. And it was such a quick read. I feel like you don't have an excuse to not read it to like expand your understanding of maybe other people's experiences, especially now. Totally. Yeah, for sure. Well, I don't know about any of you, but I could use a little fill up on wine. How did everyone like their wines, by the way? The peach wine is seriously like I drink it like it's not alcoholic, which is really bad. (laughs) It's so good. It's so good. I think I would rate the watermelon wine maybe like a three and a half stars out of five. I like it. I mean, I've had two glasses already, but mm-hmm. hearing you talk about the peach is making me very disappointed that Sorry. I'm drinking the peach wine and that I'm drinking the watermelon. <laughs> but like, it's not bad by any mm-hmm. means. It's just not my favorite and I would rather have peach. That's how I felt about the Riesling that I have from Wolf Creek. It definitely is not my favorite Riesling. It was a little tart for me, but, like, I still drank it, you know? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I'm still going to finish this bottle. I mean, don't get me wrong, but. Yeah, I think I would also give mine a pretty high rating. I liked that. Um, And I haven't had a lot of sweet reds that, I don't know, that are really yummy and tasty. And so I'm going to give mine a five out of five. Nice. I've had like two sweet reds. I feel like I've had the sweet Elisa from like Sarah's, and then I've had um, where's that wine where you went to? Was it Debonair where they had like a sweet red? Their River Rouge is really water. good. That's a sweet red there. My sweet red is delicious. My Hawking Hills wine, and it reminds me of the actual winery, which is like so cute. We sat on the patio, and it like opens up to the woods and. Uh, I loved it. And the wine is five out of five for sure. I get ten nine. out of ten, really, because we don't have to do Goodreads rating for wine. True. True. You can <laughs> give half stars. You can give quarter yeah. stars. You can do whatever you want. I gave half star because I am i don't have to use what Goodreads says. Correct. <laughs> I give mine a ten out of five. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, continuing the theme from last time, I think. I think we all did that. (laughs) Wasn't there someone who was writing a review that rated a book that they said, I don't know, the fraction was wrong? Yes. Actually, mathematically, that's wrong. (laughs) It was was like shit, wasn't it? Was it? Oh, maybe it was. They put a one star, but then in their review, they wrote two out of ten, I think. (laughs) Wait. So they put put two stars, but then they wrote in their review two out of ten. Has anyone been reading any other books? Yes. I am slowly getting through the Harry Potter series. Nice. I'm on book three now. I was on, I was getting through a lot of books pretty quickly, like right after book club. And then once I started going back to work, it started to slow down a little bit. So I was getting sad about that. But um, I finally finished. I don't know if you guys remember. <laughs> there was a book that I was reading a long, long time ago. Like I've been reading this book for seven years. Not sure. even. <laughs> It was a it was a teaching book. It was thirty two third graders and one class bunny. It's one of those. It's like chicken soup, like one of those types of books. 
Joe and I have both read that book. Oh, have you? Yeah, mm-hmm. so that book, like, I, I've read, I would read, like, half of the book, and then I couldn't keep going. Like, I would just get, not that I was bored, I just was like, okay, I've had enough stories. I'm ready, I want to go read something else. But I finally finished it, so I was feeling really good about the fact that I finished it. According to my Goodreads, it said I started it on February 7th of 2018, and I finished <laughs> it July 29th of 2020. <laughs> It's never too late to finish a book. That's just... Yeah. I thought that book was really cute. It was. I liked it a lot. You let me borrow that, didn't you, Joe? You you had it. Yeah, I have it, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it was good. I liked it. And then I'm in the middle of a bunch of books, too, but I'll tell you guys about that next time. (laughs) (laughs) I read... Well, I've read several books, but the one I want to talk about, I read the book I picked last time, which was The Poet X by Elizabeth Acevedo. Yes. And um, it was really, really good. I recommend it. And I really liked it because in the book, she's a poet and then it's written in verse too, which it was, so it was a really fast read and it was fun to read. And I, I really enjoyed that. So I would recommend it. Nice. Cool. Side note, I didn't read this, but um, Lauren and my pick last time, You Should See Me in a Crown, is now a Reese. Yes. Pick. Oh. So I just want the listeners to know that Lauren and I picked this book before Reese picked it. You <laughs> have great taste. Thank you very much. Oh my gosh. Because you won't hear the episode until much later. But we are. We're all setters, so hello, sunshine. So. For the record. <laughs> nice. Anyway. Love I it. forgot about that. I'm glad you brought that up. I was so excited when I saw that. I was like, that was my pick. <laughs> Guys, maybe one day if we make it big, we'll get our own stickers and we can put them on books. Hey, recent yeah, book club cool. did like one of our posts, so I'm feeling yeah. pretty happy about that. Yeah. Yeah. We can start sponsoring with drink a book stickers. That would be amazing. That would be so cool. <laughs> um, so I read a couple since last book club. I finally finished King of Scars by Lee Bardugo. I gave it a four. I really enjoyed it. I think you guys know if you've been listening, I really enjoy Lee Bardugo's books. I think I've read all of them at this point, all of them that are released. And I also read Forest of Souls. I gave that a four. It's kind of like a fantasy adventure book. And then I also read a book called Oath Taker by Audrey Gray. And as I'm reading it, I am aware that it is not the greatest book written. Like, I am seeing issues. I'm seeing problems. There's plot holes. I'm like, why isn't this dialogue better? This is not written great. But for some reason, I bought it, and I finished it, and then I bought the second book. Because, <laughs> like, I'm really into it for some unknown reason. <laughs> it's not it's not bad I'm just very aware of like the issues it has but for some reason I want to know what happened so I keep reading it I don't know if it's the I don't know if it's like the slow burn romance that is happening it's getting to me and I'm here for it mm-hmm. I don't know what to tell you okay totally <laughs> I feel like that's how you guys don't understand my rating system with some books <laughs> same thing <laughs> um so I read those, and then I'm currently reading the second book in that Oathbreaker series I was just talking about. And I'm also reading um, The Lost Queen by Signe Pike, which I've been wanting to read forever. It's kind of this, like, 
Camelot Merlin inspired like fantasy, which is right up my alley. And I ended up just buying it from thrift books because sometimes those fantasy books take me a while to get through. And I feel really rushed and stressed when I borrow it from like Libby. So I just bought it. So now I have it and I can just peruse it at, at my leisure. And it's really good so far. I recommend it. Nice. You are just cranking them out. I know. I I don't know what happens. Sometimes I'm playing video games for like a week straight and then I'm or I'm like reading. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I already mentioned, but I've I have read a lot since last time, but that will that will come to an end now that school has started back up. But I the most notable book that I read since last book club was Good and Mad by Rebecca Traster. And I just want to say this is also around the time it's been what a month or a month and a half since Taylor Swift's album Folklore came out. Oh, mm-hmm. her song Mad Woman. Mad Woman, so good. Obsessed. Okay, and when I started reading Good and Mad, although that book is like two years old at this point, I just all I could think about every time I picked it up is no one likes a mad woman. <laughs> Also, the other notable book that I read, thanks to Joe for letting me borrow it, was Becoming by Michelle Obama. So good. Loved it. Also, a lot of parallels in her book with Black Boy White School, I found. Just Mm -hmm. her experience growing up in, you know, a disadvantaged Black community or, you know, majority Black community. It was, I I loved her book and I would highly recommend it. Nice. I'm glad you liked it. I read, obviously, Stories from My Timeline by Akila Hughes. If you don't know Akila Hughes, she's a comedian, YouTuber, and she's also the host of the What A Day podcast, which is a crooked media podcast, which if you have listened to any of our other podcasts, you know that Lynn and I are obsessed with crooked media, but What A Day is a really good podcast. It's like a 20-minute daily news podcast that you should definitely listen to. Hmm. But anyway, Akila Hughes wrote this book. It's like a memoir, but I really liked it. It was a really quick read and it was like funny and relatable and fun, but it also was like a little sad in parts, but I would definitely recommend it. I think I rated it a four out of five. I can't wait to read it. So are we ready to pick our next book? Yeah. Yeah. So it was my genre pick this time, and I picked friendship, so books centered around friendship, which can apply to a lot of the books that we read, but I wanted to make it specifically the theme, so. I love it. Yeah, I dig it. Yeah. So I mentioned Call Your Girlfriend earlier. Actually, I want to be honest that I picked the friendship theme because I had a specific book in mind that I wanted to read. (laughs) So my book pick is Big Friendship, How We Keep Each Other Close by Aminachu So and Ian Friedman, who are the co-hosts of the Call Your Girlfriend podcast that I mentioned earlier. If you don't know them, you definitely need to know them. They are iconic Shine Theory Forever. Yes. Yeah, they're like amazing. But they wrote this book, Big Friendship. I'll read like a little bit of the synopsis. 
So it says, a close friendship is one of the most influential and important relationships a human life can contain. Anyone will tell you that. But for all the rosy sentiments surrounding friendship, most people don't talk much about what it really takes to stay close for the long haul. And then it says how Amina and Anne tell the story of their messy and life-affirming friendship in this honest and hilarious book that chronicles their first decade in one another's lives. And it goes on, but I'll stop there. But it's basically like they talk about it on their podcast a lot, how their friendship is they value it just as much as they value like romantic partnerships or family relationships. And so they wrote this book kind of as a tribute to that, how like we as a society don't really have like a narrative or language around like how to treat a friendship that's not like romantic or a family Mm -hmm. relationship. I think we've talked about this before in another episode, how like Mm -hmm. friendships are really important and we should be valuing them, but we don't really like talk about it a lot. So Mm -hmm. I'm really interested to see how they address it in their book. And also just because I really like them, I wanted to read a book that they wrote. It sounds really good. Good pick. You're starting to make me second guess my book now because I really- I want to go last on my pick. <laughs> Thank you. I'm second to last, so the two of you. Who goes next? So the book I'm picking, actually, somebody talked about it in a previous uh, book club because all five of us have it on our shelf, but it was not a pick. So it was somebody's other pick, and I have no idea who it was. It could have even been mine, honestly. I have zero memory. <laughs> what is but- it? It's our favorite genre, World War II. Um, It's the Beantown Girls. That's That's your pick, too? It's my pick, too. Yeah, yay, Liz. Oh, my gosh. Wait, were you the one who recommended it before? I thought it was Joe. (laughs) Oh. It could have been Oh, I thought Lynn picked it. Did she know? I don't think so. Neither of us picked it, though. It was just maybe an honorable mention. Oh. Mine was Between Shades of Grey. I specifically remember that was <laughs> my pick that time. Maybe that was like someone's second choice or something. That's what I was thinking because we all had it on wait, there. But I definitely- feel like this was my p- Wait. Yours was a fire sparkling. I don't know why I remember yeah, this. I remember seeing this fire one. sparkling. I hope that some listener has been like, paying attention and can tell us whose pick it was. Right. So somebody talked about this one before but um i'm so excited lynn that you picked it too yay it sounds good so it says 1944 fiona denning has her entire future planned out she'll work in city hall marry her fiance when he returns from the war and settle down in the boston suburbs but when her fiance is reported missing after being shot down in germany fiona's long-held plans are shattered determined to learn her fiance's fate she leaves Boston to volunteer overseas as a Red Cross Clubmobile girl, recruiting her two best friends to come along. There's the outspoken Viviana, who is more than happy to quit her secretarial job for a taste of adventure. Then there's Dottie, a shy music teacher whose melodious talents are sure to bring heart and hope to the boys on the front lines. 
Chosen for their inner strength and outer charm, the trio isn't prepared for the daunting challenges of war. But through it all come new friendships and romances, unforeseen dangers, and unexpected dreams. As the three friends begin to understand the real reasons they all came to the front, their courage and camaraderie will see them through some of the best and worst times of their lives. That is so funny. I So I almost picked a different book. I... For a long time, I've wanted to read the book called Text Me When You Get Home mm. by oh, yeah. um, Kayleen Schaefer. And up until literally today, like 30 <laughs> minutes before book club, that was my pick. And But it just, it only has a 3.49 star rating and it has really mixed reviews. Like a lot of people didn't like it very much. Mm. And I just, I I love the idea of it, but I feel like Lee's pick the the new book by the Call Your Girlfriend host is I what I'm anticipating is that their book is going to get at this concept better than Kayleen Schaefer's book potentially, but it's like the same sort of book, I guess. But anyway, then I was just looking up other ideas that were already on my to read list and that the Beantown Girls came up and I remembered how interested I was in it. And so I changed my pick to that one. <laughs> Well, now I'm super conflicted. So thank you, everyone. Yeah, me too. I'm like, I'm good. You guys just... Well, tell us what you were thinking, at least. The first one I was thinking was Firefly Lane. And Joe, you have that on your want to read? Oh, I don't even remember what that's (laughs) about. Oh, do I? (laughs) This is what happens when you have like 600 books on your want to read list. I know. I feel... Oh, Christina... Yeah, I've never read a book by her, but I've seen a lot of people read her, and I, it's one of those authors that I'm like, I don't know how I feel. I don't know. I'm, con- I'm very conflicted. But then I was looking at, there was another book that kept coming up, and it was Swing Time by Zadie Smith, but then I wasn't sure how I felt about that one either. <laughs> I feel like I probably have a hundred fr- friendship books on my want to read list. Wait, who's Swing Time by? Because I looked up Swing Time and there's like a very risque looking novel and I'm pretty sure that's not what you picked. <laughs> it's yellow. Zadie it's, Smith. Yeah, Zadie with a Z. Ah, it's two words, not one. Oh yeah, sorry. <laughs> Firefly Lane is for anyone who ever drank Boone's Farm apple wine while listening to ABBA or Fleetwood Mac. And I'm like, yes, I don't know what, <laughs> apple, I don't know what Boone's apple wine is, but like Fleetwood yep. Mac, I'm there. Like give it to me. Yes. yes. I know. That's actually what got me. I was like, oh. Well, I like Kristen Hanna. I have a whole bunch of books by her on my want to read. Do you? Mm hmm. I don't think I've read The Nightingale. It has good good, um, reviews. It has a 4.08 rating. All right. We'll just go with that one then. (laughs) I'm so conflicted. I know. I am too. I'm just like, it's fine. We'll just. So my original pick was going to be Rules for Visiting by Jessica Francis Kane, but now that we've all been talking about all your great and awesome picks, I'm going to change mine. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Why did you guys pick such good stuff? I don't know what to pick. Oh, just side note though, Lauren, I love the cover on this. Wait, what was it called? Rules for visiting. There's a lot of plants. I figured you would all appreciate it. (laughs) Oh, yeah. yeah. I like the cover. It's cute. I just saw the author rated it and said, what are the rules for rating your own book? (laughs) Mm. 
<laughs> that's that's great. I think it sounds interesting. Do you want me to pick it still? <laughs> well, what was your other, what is your other thought? That I like both of the, I like the Beantown girls and the um, big friendship <laughs> better, potentially. Yeah. I almost oh, did pick Big Friendship, Lee, so don't feel bad about it because I really want to read that. It's already on my to-read list. Like, I do feel like that's such a, like, underrated, like, that's a conversation that's not happening. Yes. And it'd be very interesting to talk about it more. I agree. And in these scenarios, I feel like if my book gets picked and I'm the outlier again, I'm going to want to take it back <laughs> and I'm going to want to say, no, we should do Lee's pick, not mine. <laughs> Well, I will say, though, like, so Joe and Lynn and I are definitely familiar with the authors and their podcasts, but, like, if you don't know them and you're not familiar with them, because it uh-huh. is, like, kind of a memoir, too, I think, about their friendship, so I don't know if like, you would understand. You have the same experience. Mm-hmm. I can bid the podcast they're super likable though. yeah if they might like you be would, easy to relate to i've read memoirs about people that like i didn't really know about and i still enjoyed mm-hmm. the book. like you read gabbery um yeah this I, is just my face I yeah really that one. and i didn't know anything about her previously to read okay okay but i'm first, picking go with I'm, your gut i'm picking big friendship that's what my gut is telling Ooh. me right now yay let me also say that Unladylike Media have just recently, which what by the time this comes out, it won't be recent anymore. <laughs> but they, like Lauren said, a lot of people aren't having this conversation about like friendships and stuff between women, especially. Mm-hmm. Unladylike just did a three-part series on how to live single, and two of those episodes touch on. And actually, one of the co-authors of Big Friendship, Ami So is interviewed on Unladylike about this exact concept, oh. which is really oh. cool. But yeah, those were really good episodes, I thought. I want to listen now. Yeah, I, I need to listen to those. Are we this ready? Is, this is killing me. No, I'm nervous. Here. I'm so scared. Oh, oh. <laughs> it's Firefly Lane. <laughs> oh, oh, my gosh. <laughs> what? <Yeah>. <laughs> And listen, I'm putting them in the circle, like, in the order we're recommending them, so it's not like I'm always putting them in the same order. It's different every time. This is exactly what happened last time. I said I didn't want mine to be picked, and then everyone said, every time you say you don't want yours to be picked, it gets picked. True. That's true. So, listeners, did you like Black Boy White School? Um, We definitely recommend it. If you want to chat with us about it or about anything or about your cats, you can find us on Drink a Book Pod on Instagram, or um, we also have a Goodreads Drink a Book Pod, or you can email us at drinkabookpod at gmail.com. Okay, so thanks to everybody for listening. We all recommend the book. We recommend our wines, and we'll see you next time for Firefly Lane. Bye. 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 Here's to another book club. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.